Welcome to Luke 21 Radio, a broadcast explaining biblical prophecy in the tradition of St. Augustine. And now, from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood, and welcome to Luke 21. We are still in 2 Peter 3, a very, very rich book of the Bible, 2 Peter, if you want to understand biblical prophecy. And today we're talking about the three worlds. And just so you know, this isn't a science fiction episode. This is scripture written from the hand of our first pope. And just to set the context, almost the entire chapter of 2 Peter 3 is dealing with the false teachers who are denying the second coming. Here's their logic. No second coming means no final judgment. So, There's no fear for living an immoral life. And that's exactly what they were trying to deceive the early Catholics with. So here's what St. Peter says, starting in verse 3 of 2 Peter 3. First of all, you must understand this, that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own passions and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, All things have continued as they were from the beginning of creation. And St. Peter goes on to saying, well, they deliberately ignore this fact. Verse 5, a little thing called a flood. But before we get there, I actually find (laughs) verse 4 fascinating in the sense that their argument for denying the reality of the second coming was, look, everything since this world came into being has continued just the same way year after year, day after day. day. And it's amazing to me, although I realize that history doesn't exactly repeat itself, but it often rhymes. And I don't know if you're aware, but before Charles Darwin could come up with his theory of evolution, he first accepted and built his theory on the foundation of the work by a man named Charles Lyell and his textbook, Principles of Geology. And basically, Lyell uh, came up with the concept of uniformitarianism. And what does uniformitarianism teach in the 19th century? Well, Just what they were teaching in the first century. All things have continued as they were from the beginning of creation. And Darwin, being a disciple of Lyell, then developed the theory of evolution based on the premise that everything has been continuous. But, uh, and by the way, Lyell uh, said that there wasn't any significant geological catastrophes. Okay, And just so you know, in verse 6 of chapter 3, when it says the world was deluged or flooded, um, the Greek word is katakluzo, which is the word from the Greek. We get the English word cataclysm from. So Lyell, as well as the false teachers in the first century, were denying Cataclusa. And uh, St. Peter says, no, you're forgetting something. There was a cataclusa, and that was the great flood under Noah's day. Then verses 5, 6, 7, and 13. Here we go. 
they deliberately ignore this fact. By the word of God, heavens existed long ago, past tense, and an earth formed out of water and by means of water, through which the world that then existed, past tense, was deluged or cataclyzo with water and perished. By that same word, the heavens and the earth that now exist, present tense, have been stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. Skipping forward to verse 13, but according to his promise, we wait in the future for a new heavens and new earth in which righteousness dwells. Three worlds. The first world, verse 6, the world that then existed. And this is fascinating because St. Peter, uh, in just very subtle little <laughs> verse 6 here, presents a worldview that many modern Christians with all of our computer software and theology and seminaries and broadcasts and books and everything, publishing houses, um, we maybe miss because he's saying the world that then existed is no longer with us. It doesn't mean that you know, like a nuclear bomb went off in the early world before the flood was blown up, but it, the flood changed things so radically that he could describe the world pre-flood in the past tense, the first world. And then verse 7, by the same word that brought the world into existence, the heavens and earth that now exist. This is our current situation. So in other words, we are living in the second world. And every day we're getting closer and closer to the end of that second world because it's going to be extinguished or at least radically altered by fire or a huge explosion. And then verse 13, there will be a third world, a new heavens and a new earth. And so they were fundamentally looking at the world wrong. And my guess is, I don't know, I would guess 99% of Catholic children are being taught to look at the world wrong because there's major differences between then and now. And this was such an intense judgment that St. Peter is using that, that judgment and so how it so radically changed the world as to awaken these first century Christians not to go with the deceptive, immoral teachings of the false teachers. Now, there have been significant changes to our world following the flood. I'm going to do a little before and after with you. There's, there's others. But uh, having studied horticulture and many, many, many moons ago, I enjoy watching things grow and learning how to grow things. Uh, in Genesis 4, verse 4, it says, In the day that the Lord God made the heavens and the earth, when no plant of the field was yet in the earth, and no herb of the field had yet sprung up, for the Lord had not caused it to rain upon the earth. See, a lot of people assume that I've seen like little movies of Noah and great faith before the flood looking up at a clear blue sunny sky, and maybe it didn't look quite like that. It might have looked considerably different because it says in verse 6 of chapter 4 of Genesis, but a mist went up from the earth 
and watered the whole face of the ground. Well, guess what I learned studying horticulture? Well, you have a greenhouse and you have a timer, not, you know, like a drip irrigation system where it comes on once or twice a day for 15 or 20 minutes. No, a drip irrigation system could come on every minute or every three minutes or every six minutes for just a small burst of very fine moisture coming out of these nozzles. You can take a cutting from the tip of a plant, not having any roots whatsoever, put it in soil, some other growing medium, and have a mist system, and you can grow plants. Roots will grow and everything else. And this is what God had going on in Genesis chapter 4, pre-flood. It's not going on now. Now, obviously, with the flood, there was a lot of rain. And afterwards, we read in Genesis 9, after the flood, that a rainbow appeared. Now, the rainbow may have been there before the flood, but also it may not have been. The reason, maybe, why the rainbow would appear afterwards is that there were atmospheric changes after the flood that made the rainbow appear where it wouldn't have been in the pre-flood atmospheric conditions. Uh, There's a difference in longevity. The longest living person before the flood was Methuselah, 969 years. After the flood, that begins dropping to about 120 years, and and finally, Psalm 90 settling on about 80 years. So uh, something changed in our longevity. It's not the same as the first world, the second world that we're now living in. Now, there's a different diet. And some people, uh, going totally vegan, that's fine if you want to do that. Um, But don't think that's the diet for the second world. We don't go back to the first world yet, and I'll explain in a moment. But in Genesis 1, starting verse 29, God says, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed, which is upon the face of all the earth, and every tree with seed in its fruit, you shall have them for food. Sounds like vegetarianism to me. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the air, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. Ah, so everybody was eating vegetation. That's what it says in Genesis 1. Now, you skip to Genesis chapter 9, post-flood, it says, every moving thing, beast, birds, and fish that lives shall be food to you. As I gave you green plants, I give you everything. So there's a change in diet. And now for anybody who's an animal lover, there's a different relationship with the animals. It says in Genesis 2 that God from the ground formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. Now, anybody who's ever worked on a farm or a ranch knows that if an animal is going to a butcher, you don't give it a name because as soon as you give it a name, you have a relationship. That's just the way it is if you've been around livestock at all. And says the man gave names, all the cattle and birds of the air. In other words, he had a good relationship. And 
not only that, it says right after that, but for the man there is not found a helper fit for him. So obviously Adam had a good relationship with the animals, but it wasn't a spouse. He needed a wife. So that's when Eve came. And then right before the flood, it says in Genesis 6, two of every kind shall come to you. And it says further that they went into the ark with him. And I can tell you, getting livestock into a trailer can be a very difficult challenge. And it wasn't like Noah was on a 50-year process of rounding up all these animals. It was like the world's biggest rodeo. No, they came. All right. But after the flood, Genesis 9, the fear of you and dread of you shall be upon every beast of the earth and every thing that creeps on the ground and fish of the sea into your hand, they are delivered. In other words, you can eat them. Fear and dread of you. Now, there are two animals, and probably believe more, but I'll at least say with two. We have special relationships with dogs that are uncanny. And if you ask me, living here in the second world, our relationship with dogs are simply a remnant of that first world relationship that Adam had with the animals and Noah had with the animals and that what we will have in the third world. And I said there are two animals. I'm just speaking out of experience. But sheep have a special fascination with people. Uh, I raise sheep and I believe that they're in anticipation of that new world where in Isaiah 65, it says the wolf and the lamb shall feed together. They don't do that now. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain. So if you're a Christian animal lover, stay in a state of grace because you have a lot to look forward to. I'm Steve Wood, your host, and you've been listening to episode 305 of Luke 21 Radio. Luke 21 is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. Visit us online at luke21.com.